Coming up, Kyrie Irving is an artist, and you got to watch him paint. The Brooklyn Nets hosted the crosstown rival New York Knicks and handled their business on their home court, giving you a performance not only from Kyrie, but from the team collectively without several key players still getting the job done and taking the Nets fan base on the roller coaster ride that is the run without Kevin Durant. We break down Kyrie's game, the supporting cast, and how this game can be another stepping stone as the Nets move forward. All coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is a Saturday night special where this is, of course, the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Not seen over there is one Doug Norrie, the owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel and covered over on YouTube. He's the man for the action. I'm Adam Arbor, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast. My boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms and let you know today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA and friends. We come in on a Saturday night taking on the New York Knicks, a team that has certainly had its ups and downs and is trying to find its own rhythm throughout this season. And with no Ben Simmons after going out with some knee soreness in the previous game, unavailable for this one. We have the contusion for TJ Warren, unavailable for this one. And obviously playing without Kevin Durant as he continues to recover from his injury. And and listen, we're going to start at the top with Kyrie Irving, but we're also going to cover what this team did so well throughout this game that even though it came down to some close possessions, it really had to be Kyrie Irving that gave the final lift in the fourth quarter. This is a game that the Nets were ready for. They came to play for. And we've seen them take on some far lesser competition in recent games and not necessarily come out with the type of energy and the type of focus that you wanted to see. They had that in this game basically throughout. But Kyrie Irving, in the fourth quarter, when it matters most, put up, some absolutely spectacular performances here. He had there's a couple of things that I thought were really the, the, the highlight ones, not just the clutch triples from the outside. And there's some great sequences when he drives the lane, kicks out to the perimeter to Joe Harris, the extra touch pass feed to the corner for Seth Curry, who knocks down a critical triple as well. But there's that moment when Kyrie basically takes it coast to coast, goes through the paint, works the Euro step, tor- contorts the body, gets the layup with the hard English, that does just feel like something that, no, we don't take for granted, but we're so used to seeing from him. This was, I think, a 20-point performance in the fourth quarter. might have only been 18. 12 of 27 from the field in this game. 5 of 12 from deep. Missed a couple in the fourth before knocking down those really critical ones. Only got to the line six times. Surprisingly, just 3 of 6 at the charity stripe, as a matter of fact. But 9 assists in this game. A really big performance from him, not only closing things out in the fourth, but also being a table setter throughout the early portions of this game. And at a high level, before we talk about the supporting cast, 
this one in a lot of ways, at least for me coming into it, felt like one of those games with no Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons, no TJ Warren, trying to figure a lot of things out for this team right now, right for the Knicks to come in, make a statement. There were some fans. There was a, there was a good chunk of Knicks fans in Barclays center for sure. They started to get loud in the fourth quarter as this rally was getting built upon. And it did, it felt ripe for one of those, you know, you're not going to look back in two months from now and think anything about the L in the schedule, but it does kind of matter. When you play the Knicks, it does matter, especially when we go back to this offseason. We know the Knicks tried to make a sizable improvement, bringing in Jalen Brunson, didn't take the big swing to go get Donovan Mitchell per se. But then you also have this renaissance from Julius Randle and what he's done this year, which feels far closer to two years ago when he was a most improved player in the NBA, as opposed to last season when fans on that side of the city were calling for them to dump his contract and that player. All of those things just conspire to feel like it's going to be a hard lift. And Doug and I were texting. He's unable, obviously, to make the show. But we were texting ahead of this game and just saying, this is what it feels like. It feels like maybe a letdown moment. And we know because now this marks just the third victory in the absence of Kevin Durant. And they've struggled against, regardless of competition, a lot of teams without their other superstar out there on the court. And that's what really made this feel like a nice win, a big win. And and, and a game, oddly enough, we'll talk about um, in a second here, that some of the matchups really played actually into the Nets' favor that I didn't think they were going to. Julius Randle is a real concern from a defensive standpoint when you don't have Ben Simmons out there available for you and when you don't have even Kevin Durant to create problems on both ends of the floor and maybe put Julius Randle in a more difficult spot. He still got his in this game, obviously, but 19 points on 7 to 16 shooting? No, that is not the type of dominant performance that I thought he would put out there in this one. So we'll talk a little bit about the things that I think really worked well for the Nets all the way from top to bottom. But the biggest and most important one was Kyrie Irving is the lone superstar right now out there for the Brooklyn Nets. And I've talked about, I won't say Doug as well, but we have collectively discussed how when he takes 15 shots in a game and you lose by 5 to 7, you want him to take 25. When he takes 27 shots in a game and you win, it's perfect, right? It's always these variables of what is he doing and does he need to be doing more of one thing or the other? I think he perfectly had the temperature and tempo of this game. He understood when to push for his teammates and when to take it over. And this was a really complete leadership kind of game for Kyrie Irving that I think we can just be excited about and sit back and enjoy the fact that he carried you home in the fourth. Come up here in a second. Want to talk about everybody else. I specifically am trying to avoid hitting on all the other players that had key contributing performances uh, here in this one. No loss counts for more than one in the column. No win counts for one more in the column. But I always appreciate when the Nets handle their business against the New York Knicks. So before we get into that, got to let you know about our friends over at, oh, you guessed it, LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you to quickly attract qualified candidates for your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data, and they also are going to go ahead and connect you with over. Think about this number, by the way. They have over 875 million member profiles. They're going to sift through all the data. They're going to pluck out the best ones for your position and then get them in front of you so you can interview them, contact them, connect with them all for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job 
qualifications all on one platform. Maybe the New York Knicks are looking for somebody that can step up and be a leader for their team. It's not a shot. It's just saying, if you need something, you can go shopping for a qualified candidate over on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions, they do apply. So, when we turn our attention then to the supporting cast, and I think it's important, if not for the fourth quarter and the way in which Kyrie Irving took this one over and helped close out the New York Knicks, I think we would have come in here initially and said, great team performance, great contributions across the board. And that's because we had just spent time speaking about Royce O'Neal and how he's been this very up and down. The consistency hasn't always been there. Sometimes we knock what's happening on the defensive end of the floor as well. But in a game like this, and it's, you know, you say 36 minutes, just four of 10. Well, those four makes were all from beyond the arc, four of seven from deep, two of two when he got to the line, gave you five rebounds, three assists, a steal, 14 points in this game. And inside of it as well was some of the things that he did defensively because everyone was wondering who's going to pick up that assignment against Julius Randle. It ended up being for large stretches, one-on-one coverage with Royce O'Neal on him. And this is a difference between going back to last year and thinking about personnel and maybe not having enough size, enough bulk. Royce O'Neal has that low enough, has enough mass, and uses that low center of gravity relative to Julius Randle to make it frustrating, to keep him a little bit further out of the paint, to not let him get right in close and around the basket. So I thought he gave a really solid performance on both ends of the floor, obviously, and he knocked down the first triple of the game. And as soon as that happens, you know it's going to be more four of seven and less one of eight. It's always, if it starts out hot, Royce is going to be consistent. If he's looking cold, he's probably going to stay cold. And then you also get 407 from Joe Harris. And it's funny because we <laughs> we just spent time talking about Royce and Joe and Curry and their up and down games. But then in this performance, you get that 407 from Harris. You also get two or three from Curry, 14 points. Managed, me, uh, mentioned, excuse me, the clutch bucket in the corner on the extra feed from Joe Harris. But... Curry also worked the mid-range game, five of nine overall. So he only took nine shots in this game, and six of them were inside the arc. And when you have guys like Royce and Joe knocking down their perimeter looks, it makes it a lot easier, I think, especially in this game when he gets inserted in the starting lineup for the third straight contest, to go ahead and lean into a little bit more of that, right? And this is that balancing piece, especially when you're not only without Kevin Durant, but also just other members of this roster. And none of those guys are going to be at the level from a perimeter shooting standpoint. But you know, loot not having a TJ Warren that matters because he can be an on-ball creator, right? He can take a guy one-on-one, work into the mid-range game, get some of those shots off for you. So while there's been instances when Curry has struggled to take over in a different role than you typically want him in, did an excellent job in this game supplementing what Kyrie did with his 32 points. So you get Royce with 14, you get 16 from Joe Harris, and then you get another 14 from Curry. All those things mattered. And frankly, the other thing that's nice about a matchup like this is as good as Jalen Brunson has been for the New York Knicks and in this game, gave you 26 points on 10 and 19, got to the line six times, perfect from the stripe there, and also kicked in not only four assists. I actually thought he had a few more, but he's not the biggest guy in the world, right? So this affords you a little bit when you're Jacques Vaughn and you're running early in this contest. When we think about those minute shares that went out early in this game, first half, saw some Patty Mills, saw a bit of Sumner, right? Saw Cam Thomas. And then you start to tighten things up as you work your way down towards the stretch of this game. 
But getting 10 minutes from Thomas and Mills specifically, because Sumner, Sumner has his own length there, you can afford to have those guys out there without absolutely getting beaten up on these switches because Brunson is undersized. So as long as you can stay in front of them, play as good as defense as you can put forward, it's not a losing matchup when you feel like we look at these games often and say, bigger backcourts, hey, they're going to be looking to switch, get the better matchup, and go to work. So I thought that that was actually something that played into the Nets' hands in this game. And when you get specifically through those three players, the backcourt members that contributed early in this one, it's three of seven from Patty. It's two of four from Sumner. It's two of five from Cam Thomas. I prefer, I mean, Patty was just one of five from beyond the arc. Love him just get, keep the mid-range working if that's what's happening for you. But those three players combined for 18 points off the bench, right? Those are significant numbers when you're playing as shorthanded as they are. TJ Warren, he's a guy that's far more capable of giving you 15 to 20 coming off the bench on a night-in, night-out basis, even with his minute restrictions. So you needed guys to combine to get that job done. And then we even give a little tip of the hat to Yuta Watanabe, who in 17 minutes went three of four, perfect three of three from downtown, nine points on the evening for him as well. So all these things combined to really give the Nets an easy path forward for victory here. However, the one thing that we want to highlight about this at the highest possible level is when you go inside the box score of this game, the Nets have struggled, as we said, without Kevin Durant. But when you're going to shoot 22 of 40 from beyond the arc, which is well over their season average for attempts, they're closer to 30 in terms of attempts per game from deep. When you're going to hit 55%, you're going to win games, right? And 10 of 28 for the New York Knicks, they're just 35%. We usually say, like, it's not as simple as, but especially, again, without key players, we have to play a different style here. If you come out in this game and Royce is off, if Joe isn't hitting a handful of his shots, if you're not getting that perimeter that perimeter game to work for you, this one could have gone a very different direction because then there is some size for the New York Knicks that they can use on the outside, right? Getting those open looks are going to be a little bit harder for the Nets to come by with consistency. So five or six, you know, shooting closer to your season percentage from deep, this one could have gone the other way in a hurry, especially when you look inside some of these other stats. The Nets were only at the line 14 times, just 19, a relatively clean game, 19 trips um, for the Knicks there. But the Nets only shot 57% from there, lost the rebound battle, 45-35. The assist numbers are what you absolutely love in this game. We mentioned nine for uh, Kyrie Irving in this one. You have 31 assists on a total of 46 made buckets from the field. That, again, is a recipe for success when Kevin Durant is playing, but even more so when you're without him because it's about the extra ball movement, finding the open shooters, finding those passes, and making the right play. And that starts top down from Kyrie Irving. And if we tap back into just those overall numbers, how about three assists from Royce O'Neal to complement his game? And then these numbers don't seem large, but when you talk about Watanabe playing 17 minutes, Mills 11, Sumner 10, and each one of them having two assists apiece as well, those are guys that came in, stepped into the rhythm of the game and the flow that they were working with and said, yes, that's what it needs to be. Can't come in, don't need to play hero ball, wait for my opportunities and take advantage of them. So um, I, I just really, I thought that this is one of the most consistent performances from tip to final buzzer that this team has had without uh, Kevin Durant in the lineup. And remember, we liked the game against the Philadelphia 76ers a couple nights ago, but you lost the game. So you can only go so far in your praise of things that you saw out there when you understand that there is this missing component getting the W. Tonight, 
they got the job done. The other thing that we obviously have to talk about here is going to be Nicholas Claxton, but also a little touch on Dayron Sharp because you needed somebody else to be able to step up in this game at the center position and give you some quality minutes. And I was borderline shocked by how consistent, just 14 minutes, but how consistent Dayron Sharp was able to play. We'll talk about what seems to be some of the discussion around this team and what they're going to pursue at the deadline here. But most importantly, the key performance, as I say, from one Nicholas Claxton and how his game continues to evolve. Before we do that, though, my friends, we have to tell you about the new sponsor that we're absolutely elated about, and that is, of course, FanDuel. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner because they are the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. You know that right now, new customers join today and can get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just one $5 bet, and you're going to get $150 in free bets. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA. They got you covered for all your favorite bets from the money lines to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance to win bigger payouts with the same game parlay. You go over there right now. We know that, obviously, the NFL is going on here. We're down to the conference championships. Doug told you the other day, man. Listen, I get it. San Francisco, you're worried about it. But before we well, – I'm not going to talk about it just yet. Nicholas Claxton right now for most improved player, it's plus 2,300. I'm just saying, if you want to put some money on somebody that you want to feel good about, I think Nicholas Claxton is going to be a lot closer to the top of that list by the end of the season than maybe people realize right now. He is sitting behind Markinen and SGA and Brunson, by the way, and there he is sitting fourth, though. Get some value on your money. Go ahead and drop it in there. But don't worry, because when you get over there and you think about football and you think about that game that I just mentioned, plus two and a half, San Francisco coming East Coast, take on the Eagles. There's just no world where I'm taking anyone that is called an Eagle. Anything that's Philadelphia in front of the team name can't do it. I got my money, excuse me, on uh, the 49ers. So I might even just take them straight up money line plus 132. And I got those bangles as well. Plus one and a half taken on Kansas City. So you know you get over there to FanDuel.com. Like we told you, man, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash NBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay. Nicholas Claxton, which you may have heard me just mention, most improved player opportunity to make some cash on him. This game, 35 minutes, six for six from the field, helping his league leading field goal percentage because 100% is always going to improve that number. He ended up kicking in 13 points, three blocks. Once again, another three block or more game for him. That streak continues now. I think he's entering the atmosphere of only one of like four or five other players that a streak this long in NBA history since the block stat was being calculated back in like the early 70s. So he's actually doing something historic right now over the course of this season. But how about this though, man? 12 rebounds, fantastic. Said the 13 points, love it. Six assists. And if you go back and remember, I had said, when we talk about the evolution of his game and what comes next, I made mention of a a tweet that I had put out, I think going back last week, two weeks ago, where I believe that he can be a guy that gives you five plus assists per game with consistency as he continues to develop in his career. The all around game is just an absolutely phenomenal. He met, who did he meet at the rim? I got to pull it up here. So I remember. I think it was McBride. Met McBride right at the rim. 
shoved that one right back in his face on the stuff block. And, and it's becoming old hat now. He's doing it with consistency, and he's doing it in a way that makes it reliable. What I'm going to find very interesting is what happens here as you move forward. Because you play this game without Ben Simmons, and we know we're waiting on dreaming on hoping on thinking on what Ben Simmons could be and how it can elevate what this team could be long-term from a championship standpoint. We also have to accept the fact that in a game you won 122-115, by the way, much better in terms of the amount of points you're giving up, obviously, but a game where now the Nets advance themselves to 30-19, and 14-8 and eight at home, Nicholas Claxton's the third best player on this team. And once upon a time when we talked about him being the third best player and saying that may create a ceiling, it, it, there's still there's still things that have to happen here. But I'm getting closer and closer to saying how much more is he going to grow over the next 30 games here as the season continues to roll on towards the playoffs, right? What are we, 49 games through right now? He's got another 30-plus games. We don't know what the next little step could be. And if something like this, and we mentioned this going back to the start of last season, when we thought about his game, it was, well, he needs to start eliminating that extra gather where he brings the ball down low and around the basket. And he started to do that last year. And then on the tail end of the season, him and Kevin Durant started to say, boy, he's starting to find a little bit more rhythm here when he's working in the open court and getting some of those lead passes into the lane, much better with his hands, much better with his footwork, a lot better fluidity. And now this year, the defense has gone to a whole nother level. The confidence has gone to a whole nother level. But now it's also, okay, the handling, the footwork, the fluidity around the basket, going up and attacking, but also making that extra smart basketball play. If you can start to think about him down in the paint and also being able to push it back outside to perimeter shooters, that's a new wrinkle. That's another facet to his game. And if he expands to that, you can at least start to think about what Sean Marks might try to do here at the deadline and how if we just have to accept what Ben Simmons, I'm going to say, is not right now, not what he is, but what he is not, you can start to think about how Nicholas Claxton can be that featured player at the five and he can do all of the things that you need him to in order to have success when Kevin Durant is there, when Kyrie Irving is there, when you have the full complement of players around him. And I made the note here, uh, closing out that last segment, that there, there's been rumblings that what Sean Marks and the Nets wanted to do as they move towards the deadline, where it's expected they're going to make a move, is they wanted to try to find some way to see if Nicholas Claxton and then Dayron Sharp, of all of all the names to hear, if it was possible that Dayron could be a little bit get a little bit of run and show that he's capable of being a supplemental player. Now, do I think that all of a sudden it's going to be Dayron Sharp playing even 14, 15 minutes a night? No. However, We've seen sample sizes from the only other places that you look on this roster is either going small, obviously maybe adding a piece on the market, or looking at a guy like Markeith Morris who struggled, right? The perimeter shot hasn't been there for him. He just looks like he's lost a step. So he's one of those veteran players that you can be happy to have in the locker room, but he's not necessarily going to move the needle on the court. I really thought that this was a game where Dayron Sharp, if we want to talk about developing and taking that next step. And this is just, I want to make sure we make note of it because it's a baby step in the right direction and hopefully a positive sign. This matchup is better suited for him. And Doug has highlighted this all season long. What we haven't seen a lot of uh, Dayron is because there's a lot of bad matchups where he can get beaten up, especially on the defensive end, can accumulate a lot of fouls and just becomes difficult. But in this game, when he gives you 14 minutes, three of six from the field, there were a couple of clunky plays, obviously, but he was incredibly active. 
He was incredibly active. And even, even though it's 14 minutes and it's just three rebounds, they're all offensive rebounds. And that's an area that the Nets struggle with, right? Second chance opportunities, second chance points. If he can be a little bit of that, especially on that end of the floor, that's a nice dynamic to play off of Nicholas Claxton, who can make his bread and butter on the defensive end with those blocks, with the versatility defensively. And frankly, I thought that Dayron held, held up fine on the defensive end, right? He held up fine. He only picked up one foul across those 14 minutes. It's just six points, but it's a really nice sample size. And just, you know, the bench overall, I think, is a good way to cap this game off. You got a combined 15, 22, 27, 33 points from the bench. It matters. Now, your starting rotation had double digits across the board. Nobody other than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving had 32. Nobody else even reached 20. But you had 14, 16, 13, and 14 from O'Neal, Harris, Claxton, and Curry. And then you throw in 30 points off the bench with consistent shooting, by the way, because the bench, although Patty Mills is included in this number, they still shot four, uh, seven of 11 from deep. And that's with the one for five from Patty Mills mixed in there. So the fact that they were able to give you that consistent punch really mattered. Cam Thomas, even his 13 minutes, good enough, plus seven when he was on the court for whatever that's worth. Had a couple of steals in this game as well. So active hands, the bench contributing, and maybe just getting this little sample size from young, some of the young players, most importantly, in the short term between now and the All-Star break, and hopefully when we see Kevin Durant coming back after the break. I know he, everyone, is pushing for before the All-Star game, but even if it's after, you still need to know that you can hopefully go to some of these guys for these games and get some critical wins. Because when we look over at the standings and, un- and knowing that you lost to Philadelphia and that put distance between you and them as they look to maybe chase down two games back from the Eastern Conference leading Boston Celtics, but you're still just four and a half out from first, you're two games back of Milwaukee, two and a half back from Philadelphia, you hold a one game lead over Cleveland in the five spot, and then Miami is there two and a half back from you in the sixth, right? So like you're, the, the treading water thing hasn't been perfect here. But they are still managing to do it. And when you can look at them and say that they're four and six in their last 10 games, it's not terrible. Now, if you went in and look at the guys, the teams that they played, there's some other narratives that you can build around that, which just has to do with consistency. But in large part, I really think that when you walk out of a 122-115 victory over the New York Knicks with a performance like this from Kyrie Irving, again, showing leadership, understanding kind of the tempo of the game, picking his spots, and then everyone really kicking in and contributing, it, it at least makes you squint and say, yes, lost those four games coming out, won back-to-back against Utah and Golden State, lost back-to-back against Philadelphia and Detroit of all teams, but you grabbed the win against the Knicks. And now here, the tricky part is you're going to get the Lakers, who are certainly playing good basketball right now. They picked up Rui Hachimura in a trade. That's going to be a really difficult matchup. Uh, especially from a size standpoint across the board as Anthony Davis is, is supposed to be coming back here, then Boston. Then you get Washington mixed in, but then the Clippers. So there's, there's a difficult stretch coming up here um, as we look towards the beginning of February and that trade deadline. But it's only one, two, three, four, five, five games before the trade deadline on February 7th. So Sean Marks is going to make a move. I would expect and anticipate it to be coming here sooner than later. We've also heard some things about buyout market guys as well. Um, Will Barton has been talked about a little bit. We made mention of Nas Reed. Doug mentioned Crowder uh, on last episode on Friday's a podcast. We're going to get into them a little bit more. Obviously, post-game pod here. Uh, Monday night, they have a game again. 
But throughout this week, over the next couple of days, we're going to try to do everything we can to touch in on some of these players that they can pursue, what are the asking prices going to be, and whether or not, supposedly, I'll leave you with this on the trade market front, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, these are the guys that are being talked about as being able to have some level of financial value to facilitate, obviously perimeter shooters, but that combined with a Cam Thomas, with a draft pick, that may be the needle mover in some of these trades. And what we're hearing is that the Nets may be willing to sacrifice some perimeter shooting to give themselves a little more stability in the front court. We've talked about, uh, obviously, a lot about wanting to add a defensive-minded 3 and D kind of backcourt member as well. The tricky part is going to be the asking price on some of these guys. Caruso may still maybe be on the table potentially, but the asking price, as everyone is hearing, is, is going to be astronomical. The Nets aren't going to be able to dance in those waters. So how far can they push this? And what can some of these role players prove over the next two or three games? And this is showcase time right now for these guys to either be here or to be someone who is attractive for another team to come get, depending on where the price tag is uh, for the player you want to acquire. And then also, what's the salary going out? We know $6 million, a little north of that for Patty Mills. Again, I'd be surprised, but it's at least been speculated. Maybe him. Uh, Joe Harris with a monster, $18-plus million, $8 million, a little bit more for Seth Curry. So there's options here. We'll break all that stuff down. The best thing that we get to break down is that the New York Knicks lost in the Barclays Center to our Brooklyn Nets, and they get one more win chalked up on the board. Next up for Brooklyn, uh, Monday night, that's going to be the L.A. Lakers at home at the Barclays Center. Doug and I will be back in for the postgame live following that. And that's why you need to be over on YouTube, subscribing, setting your alerts so you hear when we go live on the post games. We stick around afterwards. So you're only getting half the fun right now as we hang out. Get into the chat where everybody does an excellent job throwing up questions, speculating, maybe just doing a little bit of a little bit of city rivalry brouhaha after a game like this. So be a part of that and get us on that podcast feed. And as we always say, as I always say, with no Doug Norrie, there is no quote short of saying that I miss my friend and I can't wait until he's back here by my side so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball.